Say, God is awesome to me. Say, God is awesome in me. Say, God is awesome to me. Hallelujah. He is. He sure is. Hallelujah to God. Let's go to Isaiah 53. And let's, we'll get started here this morning. I've got a good 40 minutes to teach and preach, and I'm ready. And we're going to talk a little bit. First, we're just going to lay a couple of foundation scriptures, and then I want to talk to you about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, uh, but let's look here at Isaiah 53 to begin. And, uh, you know, it's so important. You know, I, I heard... Dr. Dufresne say this years ago, I, he was the first one I'd heard say that. However, being a pastor, I knew that was true. But he said, made this comment, it could be life and death what church you go to. And there's so many people, there's so many people that are messed up in their thinking. And I'm not saying that I know it all because I don't, but I know what I'm talking about here. And we need to get our thinking straight. And people make statements about, Sickness and disease, like, well, now, you know, I know that God allowed this so that I'd be up here in the hospital and I'd get the witness in the guy in the bed next to me. Well, that's not the way that God operates. Well, let me ask you, why didn't you just go to the hospital and be a witness then? Do you have to have, you have, to have sickness and disease to motivate you? What kind of Christian are you? I mean, that is just the dumbest thing I have ever heard. And it's prevalent. And I mean, I had somebody from a full gospel church try to tell me that. And then they had the audacity to tell me in my presence and to speak to me in my presence. They didn't know who they was talking to. And they're so blessed that I'm a nice man. Because I would have loved to have just stood up and just ripped the whole thing open and just preached to everybody in there. And let them call security and let them, move and let them just escort me to my car. It's, I mean, I really wanted to do that, but I had to hold my peace. Somebody said to me, well, you know, the devil goes to God and gets permission to get through the blood. So I said to this lady, I said, well, ma'am, I don't believe that, nor do I teach that in my church. I don't believe that Satan can get through the blood. Well, you know, because she's chatty Cathy, chatterbox, Miss Spiritual, knows it all, going to tell it all. She didn't even shut up. That's almost blasphemy. She don't know how close I'd like to have slapped her. Said, sit down and shut up, lady. Why don't you just shut up a minute? You don't know deadly squat about anything. You're going to keep it on. You're going to kill your husband. But you can't talk to people that, you know, it's like that movie. I don't recommend it, but you can't handle the truth. Some of you can handle some truth. Some of you can only handle so much truth. But this lady, she couldn't handle hardly anything if I'd have really told her what I thought. Not my job to straighten everybody out, but I am not going to let her, you, or anybody else stand in my presence and tell me that the devil is going to God to get permission to do anything. First of all, you need to get it straight. The devil does not work for God. I don't know how believers got this in their head that somehow God and the devil are all sitting around a conference table. 
and the, God happens to be at the head, maybe they give him that. I'm not even sure he's got the head chair. I think they think the devil has the head chair. And God takes a chair down the sideline somewhere, you know, and when he can speak, you know, he might raise his hand so he can get permission. It's no wonder there's all kinds of people all messed up because the church has failed to teach people truth. And it means everything how you think. Everything how you believe. Everything how you talk. This is not a minor thing. This means everything. <laughs> I said, well, lady, I don't believe that. I don't teach that. We don't embrace that in our church. And she, I only didn't hardly even compute. She got so much in her head, you know, and, and so much coming out of her mouth. And Jacob said to me later, you know, pastor, I'm not real uh, super intelligent, perhaps, but I realize when somebody starts talking that knows more than me, I shut up. That'd be like me going to the nuclear plant and say, now listen, I want to tell you guys how to run this thing. I don't know nothing about nuclear fission. I don't know anything about atomic power or nuclear power. And, what, and I just start telling everybody. And all these scientists are standing around and say, uh, you know, Pastor Jacobs, could we insert a comment here? And then they say something, then I realize I don't know what I'm talking about. I would just sit down and shut up before I get everybody killed. You don't, you're, it's not equal in this kingdom like what we're talking about. You don't have a right to your opinion. Forget it. You don't. If you want to be stupid the rest of your life, ignorant, then keep on having that attitude. Nobody can teach you anything. And you'll go, you'll go to heaven for the rest of us. And you'll have hell on earth while you're here. Boy, I'm stirred up about it. Lady tell me that Satan goes to God to get permission to put something on me. You better back up, lady. My arm's not too long, but you better back up. <laughs> and I was really nice. You can ask Jacob. I sound gruff about it now, but I played it down because I didn't want to cause a big incident in the middle of the chemo department. It's no wonder people that think wrong don't make it. Because what you think is based on what you believe. Or what you believe is based on what you think and then what you say. And by saying that, see, she didn't catch it. I said to her later in the conversation, I let her ramble on. That's all she knew how to do for a little while. Then I said, well, ma'am, I said, the Bible says. I said, first of all, because I felt she was defensive like, we were saying we didn't believe in medicine, which was stupid, because here sat the pastor with somebody getting medicine. <sighs> Wake up, lady. Wake up, lady. So I said to her, well, the Bible says, I said, we teach that people should attack disease from every frontier. That's what I told her. Faith, medicine, surgery, whatever is needed to preserve life, because disease is an enemy. And she's sort of like, well, yeah, I believe that. So then I said, well, 1 John 5 says, though, I teach that people can get to a place, according to the scriptures, that the evil one touches us not. And if he's the author of sickness and disease, I didn't go into all this with her because she wasn't up for receiving. 
But I'm telling you, then if he's the author of sickness and disease and he's not able to touch us, how could he get it to us? Now, not everybody's walking in that fullness yet. Not everybody's up in that realm of faith yet. So we've got to teach people wherever they're at to lock on to God and lock on to medicine if they need it and lock on to whatever they feel they could believe for. I mean, listen, God will condescend to every level that's possible. Listen to me, to heal you because he wants you well. And I'm not saying that to be smart, but he will condescend. His best is just believe his word. And he said, that's the greatest faith. Just speak the word. Well, he spoke it. Here it is. I'm going to read it in a minute and just take it and say, I'm healed. Praise God. But not everybody can do that yet. I mean, they could, but they won't. And it takes time to renew people's minds to the truth. So we're not putting anybody down. But what I'm trying to teach is the standard here, which is what I'm required by God to teach you. Somebody, some ignorant person that's not a member anymore, an ex-member, an outlaw, said, well, Pastor Jacobs is hard to sit under. Honey, you don't know what hard is. I'll tell you what hard is, is some stupid lady in the chemo department telling me that the devil can come and put something on me because God gave him permission and sitting there with a husband or pumping fluids in to keep him alive. That's hard. If not fatal. No truth, no light, no life. No faith, no revelation, no God. I mean, Ephesians tells us these people, strangers to the covenant. They're without hope, without God in this world. You, let me ask you. Now, I don't know how many of you know. Some of you have been with me a while. You know this. But I, I have a covenant with God. God swore to me in the blood of his son. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And by my stripes, you were healed. Now, how could he go back on that? Well, God may want you to, no, he don't want me. He wants me to believe his word. <laughs> Gosh. I know I'm riding this lady a little bit today, but I mean, I'm telling you now, it, it isn't no big deal if you're down there for a, a migraine headache, maybe. You got an organ that's bad and it don't function right and you don't get it fixed, you're going to die. If it's a serious enough organ, one of those that are real important to you. I'm not down on the doctors. I appreciate what they can do. I just know they're limited and I know they're fighting it from a different, they're fighting it from the natural standpoint. I'm fighting it from the spiritual standpoint. From, we believe in divine healing here. We believe that God is a healer, that as much as he bore my sins when he died on the cross, he took all my sicknesses. Not some of them, not most, all of them. He took all my pains. He took all my infirmities. Now, don't give up on something just because you don't understand it fully yet. I've used this illustration before. Some of you, and me too, I was in a vocation, a trade at one time, being a carpenter, and I had to go to apprenticeship school first for three months, and they, they taught us how to use tools, and they, they taught us in the classroom and on the chalkboard, and an instructor, a journeyman carpenter, was my instructor uh, for the class, and then we went outside and cut boards. 
and drove nails. And he, he talked about this, is, this, this piece of equipment does this. And you need this to do that. And this is the way you do that. And, and, and here's a power saw and here's a drill. And these are how these things function. They may seem elementary to you, but well, if you're going to be a good carpenter, they're not. You've got to know how to use your tools. And at first, some of it was very unclear to me. And especially when we got into the drafting area of it and the blueprints. And I'd look at a blueprint and I, my brain would just get scrambled on it almost. And I, well, what does this here mean? Well, that means this goes behind that. And see, it was all laid out on a flat, so it was hard for me to see it in that dimension. And I struggled with that for a while. Eventually, I did begin. So uh, you, just as you come to church here and we say things, and you've got to understand that hopefully, praise God, I'm growing. And if I'm growing, that's going to demand that you grow with me. And I may say some things now that maybe I hadn't said it this way before. And, and maybe I'm saying things that some have never heard before, even though they've been here for years. And we said it, but you didn't hear it. So don't just throw out the baby with the bathwater. Well, now, Pastor, you know, I don't know about that evil one touches us. Well, it's in your Bible. I didn't say we're walking all in that now, but we can. We're, we're shooting towards something. A standard. I mean, even in this book of Isaiah, I'm going to read Isaiah 53, but let's go over here to Isaiah 62. Let me show you what I'm required to do. Here's just a little, this is out of the uh, book of Isaiah 62.10. Let me let you get there. Isaiah 62.10 says, Go through, go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. I'm trying to get some of those stones out of your head. <laughs> no, let, let me talk to you a minute about, you know, I was in Cuba several years ago and the Russians built a highway there. But uh, uh, Cuba, before that, was an island. It, it was full of forestry and uh, uh, jungle when you get away from the big cities and, and different things like that. And the Russians came in with, with heavy equipment and they, 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 they took all the trees out. They took the stumps out. They, I don't know how they did it. I mean, for sure, but they did it. And they made a road basically from one end of the island to the other. I was on that road. It was a highway. And sometimes I feel like that's the way it is in the body of Christ. Because in Cuba, you see, they put an embargo on things back in the 50s or 60s, and they don't have any new cars unless you're an ambassador there or you're the president and he gets them from Spain or Italy or some other place, you know, or some Liberia or some other communist country. He might import some things from there. There's a, but it just typically you saw 50-some-year-old cars, 54 Chevys, 55 Buicks, and we would drive along this freeway, major freeway, and see no cars for 10 minutes either way. Sometimes another 30 minutes would go by. We'd see one car going the other way and then another 30. That's the way I feel sometimes preaching this to you. I'm in this car trying to show you something and get on the road with me. And they took time, these Russians, when Russia and them were in cahoots there, and they, and they took out all the stones and they took out all the debris and they made a nice road to run on. And now you don't have to take six months to get from one end of the island to the other. You can drive it in 10 or 15 hours or whatever it is. I don't know exactly, but it's a long island because there's a road there. That's what I'm trying to do is get the debris out of your life so you can get on the road and just drive from glory to glory. Instead of going down here and boom over this way, you know, you got your machete out, working up a sweat and 
killing your, you know, killing groundhogs to eat them along the way and frogs and whatever. I mean, I'm serving some prime rib here. I, I, I'm cutting some stuff out before you. I've sent the heavy equipment on before me to clear out that way. And I'm preaching you into a highway here and trying to help you get somewhere. Don't expect other people to understand this if they don't go to a church like this because they don't. I didn't say they weren't saved. I didn't say they weren't spiritual. I didn't say they didn't know anything. I just said they don't know this a lot of times. I don't know how many people we've ran into that said they were believers and then talked unbelief. I don't even understand what God's doing, what the devil's doing. Hello. Lady, all you had to do, if you really wanted a hospital ministry, is get you some tracks, go to the Office of Public Affairs at the hospital and see if they'll let you go in and pray for people. You don't need your husband struck down with some kind of deadly disease to put him in there so you can witness to the guy in the bed next to you. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? I got, I'd like to answer that, but I, I haven't got enough time. <laughs> I was one of those people at one time. But see, something on the inside of me grated on me. Even when all that unbelief was swirling around my head growing up in that Southern Baptist church that said stuff like that. And this lady was an assembly god. Oh, I go to church just like you. And I thought, lady, you don't have a clue. <laughs> Brother Hagen, Brother Oh, yeah. yeah. You ain't never heard Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland. You wouldn't talk like that, lady. Get a clue. You may have a book in your library that's never been opened. Full of death and unbelief. and <laughs> Gosh. Listen, let me help you understand something. Unless you know this, you don't know anything. Unless you rightly divide it, you still don't know anything. And it would do you good to keep your mouth shut until you know something that you can help somebody with. I know that lady thought she was doing us some kind of service and she about got slapped. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to preserve people's lives. Not my job straightening her out. I'm not her pastor. She wouldn't make it with me unless she's willing to change. I tell you that right now. I've had a lot of hers in this church. All talk, no show. All talk, no change. Think they know everything, don't know anything. My, my, my. <laughs> talking to you about some serious stuff, I know, but I'm trying to help people. I don't have all the answers, but I have some of them. I know I'm trying to help you here, and I know I'm sounding a little rough about this, but what is it, would it take you to be rough? How many people are you going to bury before you tell them the truth? How many people are you going to let go to hell? How many people are you going to let live in hell on the earth? How many people are you going to... See, you know, we've got to grow up into these things. It's time that we begin to face reality that these are, things are in the Word. We don't have to straighten everybody out. Like I said, I would love to say, Lady, could you step out here and go to the basement with me to the pop machine down in the rec room? i got something to tell you to you. And take my Bible with me because I had it with me. But I knew it wasn't going to do any good. She just thought she's Miss Spiritual. Just telling me all that she knew and all that she... Now, it's different 
It's different if you just want to play church and you just want to do something and be a nice person. You want to go down and visit the old folks and not pray for them and just pat them on the hand. That's fine if that's all you want to do. If you're going to go try to help somebody, you're going to have to have some truth. <laughs> you know, Jesus thought like this. And when people shot their mouth off like that, sometimes he said, you're, you're full of the devil or you're, you snake, you, you know. I mean, he blasted them. I was nice right then. I just gave her a couple of scriptures and I don't know, it took 10 minutes for it to compute. Then she finally said, well, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to challenge your authority. As a pastor, you're not my pastor. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say I rebuke you. I just let her talk on because she is rambling. That's all I need is somebody to ramble in my head. Especially when I'm on assignment with somebody. See, I'm being a shepherd all the time. So I got a sheep right here. He already said something to her and then he sort of backed off and really and he's already saying sick him, pastor. <laughs> Getting a lot of mileage from that lady. She doesn't have a clue. Now, her pastor, he may be teaching what I'm teaching. That's that, that could be the case because I know people here don't all think right. You could go out and misrepresent me. Some have. But, uh, you know, you could sit in a church where truth is being taught, uh, spoken, but by her own confession at another visit when... Uh, People were uh, talking and she was talking, primarily her. Anyway, uh, she said she just watched everything that came on Christian Network. So that gives me another clue why she's confused. See. And when she said, well, I, I didn't mean to challenge your thought, I said, well, you're all right. I'm not going to fight her about it. She's not one of my sheep. Well, I appreciate that warm feeling I feel from all of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want a real pastor or not? I'm not a mean person. I'm really not. But now I'm talking about some serious issues that can be serious for people. And I think you would want me to know what the Word says and want me to give it to you. And people that have any common sense should be able to detect if they're listening that maybe they ought to be quiet and let somebody else tell them something that they don't understand. And uh, I said, you know, when I got in the car, I said, that's that Job thing. You know, we already taught on Job a few weeks ago, get the tape, uh, because I don't have time to cover that. But let's look at Isaiah 53. You're using up my time here. <laughs> Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely, hallelujah, I love that. Surely he hath borne, our, and let me translate the Hebrew, sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains. Surely he did not, maybe, not. I hope he did, surely he did that. It's an absolute fact, surely. This is Isaiah looking forward to the cross and, and prophesying 
and saying, surely he is going to bear our sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. See, we are healed. He bore them for us. He took them upon himself. It wasn't just the Roman beating. It was what God laid on him, the iniquity of us all. Let me ask you something. Was man ever sick before he sinned? Absolutely not. No, sin, sin came first. Then the law of sin and death followed. And within that law of sin and death is this law of disease. Dis-ease. I just read it right there. The chastisement, whatever it took to bring peace to me was borne by him. Are you catching this? But disease means I don't have peace. Maybe I, I love God, but I don't have peace in my body because my body has went haywire for some reason. Well, he bore that too to fix my body. He bore that too. He bore the, the sin, but he bore the sicknesses and diseases too. And let's go to Matthew 8, 17. Real quick here. I'm just, and then we're, hopefully I'll have a few minutes to get into this thing about Paul's thorn. I'd love to uh, rip into that. <laughs> Matthew 8, 17. This is Matthew's account of Isaiah's writing. This is his interpreting that scripture we just read. Matthew 8, 17. It says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. Well, let's look at verse 16 first. When the evening was come, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So isn't that saying the same thing? And he's saying Jesus healed all their sick to fulfill this prophecy that said he took our sicknesses, let me find it here. Himself took our infirmities, our weaknesses, and he bore our sicknesses. Now let's go to 1 Peter 2.24. Go over here real quickly, 1 Peter, and then we're going to get into this about uh, Paul's thorn in a minute. But 1 Peter 2.24. Let me, because there's something I want to point out here. Now Peter, in his writing, he's looking back to the cross. Remember Isaiah, Mr. Prophet Isaiah was looking forward to the cross. Then Matthew comments on what Isaiah said. Uh, during Jesus' earthly ministry. Now his earthly ministry, as far as him personally being here, he's been taken up into heaven. I'm talking about Jesus, but then he sent the Spirit and made us one Spirit with him. Now we're carrying that on. And Peter is looking back to what Jesus did on the cross. It says, who his own self, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body uh, on the tree. Notice in his body, not on his body. See, the body was just a container for his spirit. And he, he bore that in his body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Now everybody could be, you know, most people would agree with that. But then he says, by whose stripes you were healed. Let me, and then you have people that say something. I want to make this comment because this is a common thought a lot. Well, that's talking about spiritual healing. Your spirit didn't get healed. Couldn't be talking about your spirit. Your spirit got reborn. It got recreated, didn't get healed, got reborn. So here he's talking about he bore our sins, same thing Isaiah said, but he also bore our sicknesses and by his stripes we were healed. Past tense, looking back to the cross, I've already been healed. Hallelujah. 
Now, we're not saying that people aren't sick today. What we're saying is, and there are ways to get your healing. You know, I don't want to go there now, but James 5 says, is there any sick among you? It's almost like he's implying, would there be any sick among you as the church? In that connotation. But if there is, then we got some elders, people that really understand faith and can pray the prayer of faith and can lay their hands on you, anoint you with oil so you can feel something. See what I mean? Feel the touch of somebody else and hear their words because you don't understand yet how to grab it on your own. And there's, that's just one avenue to be healed. So we're saying God wants you well no matter what avenue you take. We can be healed taking communion. We can be healed by laying on our hands. We can be healed by the elders anointing us with oil. We can be healed by the prayer of agreement. Somebody else coming into agreement with us. Uh, Jacob, you know, he's healed. I, I, I prayed. I cursed the cancer. I commanded it to die. Now, once I did that, I'm not moved myself personally by doctor's reports or lack of them or confirmation or whatever. They, they, I believe it'll be confirmed. But at the same time, I'm not moved by that report. I'm moved by this report. Whose report are you going to believe? Now, listen to me. But I also know Dr. Dufresne has an anointing to kill cancer. Now, listen to me. So I called and said, I'm bringing, and I told Jacob, I said, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. As a sheep. Now, I love you, and I know you believe I prayed for you. That, and he hasn't got in prayer lines to be healed since then. A couple of times we've ministered to him under the anointing. That's different. But I said to Mitch, called Mitch Morgan, I said, Now, I'm bringing this young man, and I want doctor, if he would for me, as a favor. Would he please, when he's under that anointing, would he please lay hands on this man and agree with me? Because I know he has an anointing along that line. Are you listening to me? So all I'm doing is adding in some additional oomph and additional power. See, we're not saying, well, we wish we'd have got it, but maybe doctor can work it. No, 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 no. See, we got faith. Jacob has faith. He has faith. He's, he stood steadfast believing. I received when you prayed for me, Pastor. So that's good. But I'm getting additional help. Nothing wrong with that in the right setting, in the right situation. All right. But by his stripes you were healed. Are you listening to me? Now let's go to 2 Corinthians. I may have 12 minutes here around that. And I'm going to have to scoot out afterwards. So unless it's critical, well, even if it is, why don't you see Les or Dale or somebody like that uh, about it? Because I need to scoot on out and get, get going here to get to Tennessee tonight. Okay? I'm not trying to be rude to anybody. I just need to head on out i got a couple last-minute things to do before I can leave even. But 2 Corinthians 12, let's begin in verse 7. Let's, just, let's go down through here, and we're going to slice and dice a little bit and see what it says here, really. Because a lot of people say, you know, I, I prayed for people, and they got mad at me. They said, well, this is Paul's thorn. I said, oh, is it? Hmm. Well, let's just read it here. Verse 7, At least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Now, if words mean anything and they do, first of all, he said he's the messenger of Satan. So if I send Dale on a trip, is he the messenger of Frank? No, he's the messenger of Michael, Pastor Michael. So right now, that just blows all that theology right in the head where it needs to be shot so it doesn't resurrect. 
that God didn't do anything here. It was a messenger of Satan. So who sent it? Satan sent it. Now let me give you another clue here. This, this person, Miss Chattybox, remember her? And by her own confession and the guy's confession, he said, I don't, he, he told Jacob, I don't know anything. Know what he said? Well, how does that fit with that through the abundance of revelations? <laughs> Bogus. Besides that, he's not even talking about sickness and disease. This was a messenger sent by Satan to buffet or really stir up the people around Paul to persecute him so that he'd back off that message. You know, the, what we've been teaching on Wednesday night, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, as soon as you're done, move it to Sunday morning and teach it all over again. Because you don't know it yet. And I don't know it yet like I want to know it. It was a message of redemption. <laughs> yeah, he said, just teach, just start right back over where you started on Wednesday and go back over it again. But this says here, notice this says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, here's another thing people say. Well, the Bible says that God wouldn't get it off of him. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said my grace is sufficient for thee. Well, the Lord said, uh, you know, here's the way people interpret it. My grace is insufficient for you. You could just translate the word, if I could bring it over in a simple, I like this word better. I know they say, well, grace is God's unmerited favor, and it's that and a bunch of things. But I like this word, ability. He said, my ability is sufficient for you. You deal with this. Because, see, there is no place in the New Testament, none, 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 zero. Zero place in the New Testament for God to get the devil out of anything you're doing. There's no, there's no scripture for that. Here's what I'm saying. You have the responsibility to deal with the devil. And really, Jesus already dealt with him. If you just believe it, what I've taught on Wednesday night would put you in the right thinking about it, and you'd keep him under your feet. The Bible says you to resist him. The Bible says you to rebuke him. The Bible says you to take authority over him and bind him, but it doesn't say anything about God doing anything. God is through with doing stuff like that. He, when Jesus sat down, he expects... That his enemies, which because I'm a joint heir with him, then his enemies would be my enemies and my enemies would be his enemies because now I'm in covenant with God Almighty so any enemy of his is an enemy of mine. And you can't find one place in all of Jesus' ministry ever where he turned anybody away that came for healing. None. Zero. Every person that came to him in faith he healed. And he furthermore said, The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me. And it says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So everybody that God healed in Jesus' ministry was oppressed of the devil. And he's against it. I'm against it. I mean, 
It, it, you know, I, I'm just talking straight today. I know it, and I'm not trying to offend you. And, and God bless Miss Chatterbox, and maybe she'll get some revelation. If she would have had any sense and said, Pastor, would you lay your hands on my husband and pray for him? And, you know, I'm sorry I just talk, talked out of turn. I'm just nervous, and I'm just shooting my mouth off, and I really don't, I don't think I ought to be saying too much. And I probably wouldn't have said, I agree. I would have just said, well, I'd be glad to pray for your husband if he'd like me to. And I would have been humble about it. But I'm not going to stand for you or anybody else. I mean, I mean, I love you, but I mean, I could throw you out of the church. You know, just call you on the phone and say, you're not welcome here anymore. You know, and if I didn't have enough, if you didn't like that, I got enough ushers to throw you out if I had to. But I, I mean, I'm not trying to be hardcore, but you know, listen to me. I'm not going to let her or you or anybody else stand up in my face and tell me that the Satan is going to Jesus, going to God to get permission to put something on me. That is totally, that's antichrist spirit. That's anti-anointing. I'm anointed. You're anointed. Who do you think you are? I don't think you know sometimes. Who do you think you are, Pastor? I think I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost of God. I have rights. I have authority. I have right to the name of Jesus. I have right to the blood of the Lamb. I have a right to believe the Word. I have a right to be well. That's who I think I am. Not mad at you. I'm not mad at that lady. But I mean, unless something majorly changes, I mean, they got some flowers to order. How could you be? Brother Hagin says most of the time. Listen to me. Most, now, Brother Hagin's been in the ministry 65, 68 years. I'm telling you of a senior and a prophet and one who knows some things beyond my years in the comprehension whom I've learned much from. And it's all been good. Let me say that. He says most people are killed by their own relatives. Gosh, well, the devil comes with some kind of something or other, but then the relatives that, who don't know how to deal with this or rightly divide uh, symptoms from truth or rightly divide the word and start talking these kind of little insinuations like somehow, how would you resist? Let me ask you, if you were laying there with something in your body, how would you resist the devil when your wife tells you that God put that on you or allowed Satan to do it? You have no resistance. Boy, if you don't have any resistance to the devil, you might as well just go order the flowers, dear. I mean, when it's something like that, because they told us what kind of thing it was and what organ it affected, and you can't live without one of those. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody. I'm really not. I'm really not. Please don't take it that way. I'm mad at unbelief. I'm mad at stupid people. I'm mad at rebellion against the Word of God. This is the Word of God we're talking about. I'm not talking about, I just go to church. Well, praise God, you can go to church, but you've got to get this in you. That God wants you well. God never put any sickness and disease on anybody for any reason. Now, we're talking now, reason I, let me just clarify what I'm saying. You are covenant people. I mean, you're not a bunch of heathens and sitting here and unbelievers. You're children of the Most High. You're sons and daughters of God. I love my daughter. Amen. I love my 
Where's he at? <laughs> My son. They put people in jail for doing stuff to your children in our country because it's wrong. Are you telling me you think God who created us is dumber than the people he created? That we would have laws in our country and most civilized countries where you can't torment and torture your own children? And yet God would do that? We hear horror stories sometimes from countries in Africa and countries in South America or where there's some bloody coup and people doing or these little these boys from Sudan or wherever they were from, the atrocities to their parents. Go in there and dismember them and leave them there to bleed to death. And you're telling me that you think God acts like that? No, you're not, but I mean the world sometimes. It kind of, well, well, you know, I had that and I had that cut out and I had that cut off. Well, that God's not doing that to people. He loves you. You're His covenant people. I know I'm a little running over this rough today, but I've got some big boulders to throw out. It's serious. It, it can be. It may not be to you right now today, but if you don't get your thinking straight, how can you get it right yourself and how could you be effective to help other people? I, I, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I'm praying about that. I've been praying for a couple years. Why, why? You know, the hospital down here, they sent me a thing a while back. You know, I don't know which one it was. One of them. You know, they got yoga classes. They got, uh, uh, I started to say TMJ. That's a jaw thing, isn't it? Uh, ESP things. And I don't know, some kind of weirdness. But why don't they ever, why don't these uh, hospitals ever get a clue that there are some preachers that know something and I wouldn't have to yell at them in the class like I do you. I could tone it down, be a little sweeter. And, and, but have them bring their Bibles or we'd bring Bibles for them, pass them out at the door with a series of notes. And this is lesson number one on divine healing. We know you're taking so-and-so drug and we know you have this kind of disease, according to the doctor. And we're here to put our faith with you if you would like us to. And we'll answer some questions too if we can. I might not have the time to do that, but I have some people in my church I think are coming up to be trained enough to handle that if I couldn't personally go. But see, they leave the church out because the church, they know the church don't have answers as a whole. These doctors see the preachers come in, they're in more unbelief than the doctor. And these doctors that are trained, doctor, I got a doctorate and something, and they get you in the hall and say, well, now, you know, you're just not facing reality now. You better just face up now, preacher. Can't help people that don't want help. Hallelujah. Messenger of Satan here in the Greek is the word angels. I'm going to close. The, Way the Rotherham translation and the Weymouth both say that he uses the word he there or a personality. So this was an evil spirit sent to uh, stir up people against the great Apostle Paul. He lists in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 11, I don't have time to turn there, different things he went through. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was left for dead. Never once does he mention sickness and disease or any other thing like that as what he went through. The Bible does say in one place he left somebody sick at a certain city, but that doesn't disprove healing is ours. 
I've had to leave people sick in hospitals too. I had one lady give me the finger and cuss me out, say, get the blankety-blank out of my room. Well, how are you going to get her healed? She's in strife with the preacher. <laughs> I wanted to grab her finger and say, God, forgive her and heal her. <laughs> but he ain't going to do that when you're cussing out the preacher. Normally. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me close with this one verse in Acts. And I want to show you that he finally dealt with this and got this under control in his life. And maybe I can take this again when I come back on a Sunday. How would that be? Since we didn't really give it due, due time. I've just been wound up. You know, I'm not down on people. I'm really not. But you have to know me. If you don't know me, then you just don't know me yet. I go all over the city and all over the world trying to help people. I try to pray for the ladies at the cleaners. I try to minister to people at Walgreens if they'll let me. I mean, I try to be a witness wherever I go. I'm not down on people. But this was a very serious moment and a lot of nonsense being said to me who knows better from the Scriptures. And I just was appalled at the unbelief coming out of this person and the confusion. I mean, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it hurt me. I mean, not hurt me. I wasn't offended at what she said. You know, whatever. I'm not that childish but just the fact that you know people think like that about our father and that somehow you know God is working with the devil and somehow he's on a chain you know you've heard that too that well God's got him on a chain he can only go so far what chain where are you getting that at they're going to chain him in a bottomless pit one day. I mean, there's a verse about, but that's later to come. He's loose here, and he don't have no chain on him. And, and really, you, you, the Bible says for you, again, your responsibility and mine, Ephesians says give no place to the devil. So I don't want to give him place in my thinking. If my thinking be wrong, then my believing would be wrong. Then my words would be wrong. Then I would give access to the enemy. You, I think you see what I'm saying. But let's read real quick, and I'm going to have to let you go. But here it says, in last chapter, uh, Acts 28, uh, verse 30 and 31, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no man forbidding him. See, he had, he had, this devil had stirred up people against him to try to restrict him. I don't have time to take you to Acts. Like I said, I'll need to deal with this maybe next Sunday because I, I, I was cut short in my time to deal with it effectively. But I hope I got some insight into you. It was a messenger of Satan. When Job was in the earth, the Bible says Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Satan doesn't have access to the presence of the Lord in this covenant. I've already taught you that on Wednesday night. The blood of Jesus has cleansed all the heavenly things and the devil doesn't have access to that anymore. Whenever he did come before God in that Old Testament, it was limited at best and that was because of Adam's transgression. You've got to understand that. Things have been all fixed different now. It's all different. Everything's changed. I'm in this new covenant. I am a new creation. I am born again. I'm a partaker of the divine nature of God. I'm one spirit with the Lord. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We've been raised to sit with him far above, not just barely above, far above all rule, authority, powers, and so forth. That's where we're, where we're at spiritually. Our spiritual authority is in Christ Jesus, and we're with him, and all these other things are under us. 
every name that's named, including cancer, including leukemia, including tuberculosis, including whatever thing you want to write in on that. It's all under us, under our feet, by way of spiritual authority. But Paul evidently got a hold of that, that revelation when Jesus said, My grace is sufficient, and took authority over that and began to walk that out by faith and got to a place where he could preach unhindered. You know, some places he went, they were waiting on him and they wasn't the right people. I mean, they were waiting to beat him up and hurt him real bad. And, and some of them would go out and stir and incite people against this man, just like some people say things about me, you know, and say, that's a cult. That's a heretic. They did the same to Paul. Paul said, I worship according to the scriptures the way God told me to, and they call it heresy. They call it heresy. It doesn't matter what people out there say, as long as you'll walk in truth, God will vindicate you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for being our healer today. We're, we're not mad at anybody. I pray for this lady that we've talked about. We haven't, been, we haven't said that to just put her down. But I pray for her that, Father, by the Spirit of God, that you would give her the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for a pastor, if he knows what he's doing, that somehow you will alert him to her thinking is the way it is and help her, Father, and help this husband. I pray for this husband to live and not die and declare the power of God in Jesus' name. I pray for the people here today, Father, that this revelation is sinking deeper and deeper in their being, that they are redeemed people, that they are healed people, that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed, and that no weapon formed against us can prosper. For you have redeemed us out of the hand of the enemy and seated us with Jesus at the right hand of you, Father. We thank you today for our inheritance, and we thank you for making us whole, and we thank you for Isaiah saying, Surely he bore our sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains, and by his stripes we were healed. We thank you for forgiving and cleansing us of all of our sins, remitting our sins and making us new creatures. But we also equally thank you for making us whole and healed and well and sound, and that we don't have to be afraid of sickness and disease anymore, for we are redeemed people by the blood and in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for every person that's come together today to hear this word. May you, by the Holy Ghost, seal it in our hearts and even bring further revelation of it as we meditate upon it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Now, Father, I bless this congregation. I speak healing to every person that's here. If you have sickness and disease in your body or a pain or an infirmity, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ right now. Based on what we've learned today, based on Isaiah, Matthew, and 1 Peter, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. So we catch up with our healing right now in the name of Jesus. And every symptom has to turn loose. Every pain has to go in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I bless this congregation and I, I send them on their way rejoicing and I pray for them to have a great day, a safe day, and a blessed day in Jesus' name. Amen.